0: welcome to first baptist church online we are certainly living in some unprecedented times right now and let me assure you that our first baptist church staff is praying about the situation monitoring uh, all the news that comes our way and and praying about decisions to make moving forward and we certainly want you to join us in that prayer time Uh, for the next few weeks we will have worship services but they'll be uh, moved to online so you can go to our web page social media will direct you there as well Uh, you'll find a a sermon online that's been recorded for you you'll find a family worship guide online and fathers uh, mothers I encourage you to use that uh, family worship guide Uh, have a time with your children Uh, Tell a Bible story. Perhaps if your family's musical, you can sing some songs together. Uh, If your children can sing and you can't let the children sing some, bring them into it. Uh, Pray together about the situation. Pray about family needs. Pray about sharing the gospel with your neighbors and then read a story uh, that we'll provide for you from God's Word. Ask questions of each other. Let the children ask questions. You ask your children questions about the story and just let God use this time to to bless you. Uh, During this time, let me also encourage you to keep your eyes open. I've already received some phone calls and emails and it said, Pastor Bob, please let me know how i can help i've got some more time right now if if someone has a an immune system that is weakened and they don't feel comfortable going to the grocery store i'll go to the grocery for them and deliver so if you have a need for anything please let us know we have people here at church that do want to give themselves away and help you perhaps you know someone in need uh, If you can't serve them directly, call the church office and let us know. Uh, We would just want to look around our community and and share the love of God with them in any way that we can. Our deacons are are praying for you. Some of the deacons will be meeting on Sunday morning, just a few of us, before we record the sermon. Uh, I know our president has called on a national day of prayer today, uh, on this Sunday. So I hope that you and your family will be spending some time in prayer, lifting up not only our nation and the officials, all those making decisions in these days, but uh, leaders around, uh, around the world. This is a global issue. Um, I, I know everyone's concerned right now about the spread of a virus, about it going viral. But there's something else that's going viral as well, and that's the good news of Jesus Christ. And you are helping us uh, take that not only to the world, but here in coming for Scythe County in our own home state of Georgia. So let me encourage you to be faithful in your giving of tithes and offerings during this season. I know a lot of times when people go on vacation when they miss because of a business trip they are regular tithers they they send their their offering in and it helps us resource the ministry here at first baptist church and sharing the gospel around the world so you can give online you can write a check and send it in the mail let me encourage you be faithful so that we can be faithful in the message uh, and the ministry of reconciliation that God has given us, that we might be ambassadors for Christ here and around the world. Let me say thank you for your generosity and your faithfulness in giving. Uh, I want you to hear a word from our Minister of Evangelism and Missions, Pastor Michael O'Neill, as he tells you how some of these resources will be used. Psalm 90, verse 1 and 2 read, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, before you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for your Word, the Word of truth, the Word of life, the Word that shows us the way. In the midst of uncertain times, we're thankful for your unchanging Word. Father God, as we look at your Word this morning and the message behind it, we pray that you'll open up our hearts and our eyes and our ears to see and hear and understand, and then, Father, may you move us to incorporate that word into our life that we might be a positive witness for you in our family, in our community, and in our world. Lord we thank you and we praise you this morning for who you are. You're an incredible God beyond our imagination, beyond our understanding and that's just the kind of God we need today and in these days ahead. Father we lift up our nation Uh, We lift up leaders around the world who are having to make decisions uh, because of the virus today. We pray for wisdom as they make those decisions. And Father, we pray for your healing hand to touch those who've been affected. We pray for your Holy Spirit to comfort those who've already been touched by death. And Father, uh, we pray as a church family that you will open up our eyes to see the needs around us and serve our, our neighbors and to serve our community, and in so doing, share the good news of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray, trust, and hope. Amen. The last few weeks, uh, we have lived in a shadow that has produced changes by the minute. Meet, don't meet. Fly, don't fly. Travel, don't travel. Shake hands, don't shake hands. Hug, Are you kidding me? Uh, One cruise company has uh, put out a cruise for uh, a three-day cruise for $25 per person. So a family of four could share a cabin for three days for a total of $100. Now that sounds great until that three-day cruise becomes a three-week quarantine. You know it takes cabin fever to a whole new level. Things are changing quickly today. In one minute, the NCAA was gonna have their uh, tournament, and then the next minute, they were gonna play the tournament, no fans in the stands, and the next minute, there's no tournament whatsoever. The COVID-19 virus has changed our world, and done so, at least temporarily, in unprecedented ways. Who would have guessed just a few weeks ago that college spring breaks would be extended, that public schools would be closed, that international travel would be greatly curtailed, that self-imposed 14-day quarantines would even be a thing, corporate America and corporate events all around the world being canceled, and ESPN with absolutely nothing to broadcast. And now this. I find myself preaching to a camera in hopes that you find this online and join me. Part of me wants to shout out, is there anyone out there? Uh, But I am thankful for a handful of staff and deacons who have joined me. Our president has called for a national day of prayer and we came to the altar and prayed together before this message uh, this morning and and they are praying for our congregation and, and encouraging me today and I appreciate that so much. Let me remind you that this is not the first time something has thrown our nation and our world into a tailspin in our own country. Events like the falling of the Twin Towers in New York City in 2001, the bombing of Pearl Harbor in 1941, Wall Street crash that led to the Great Depression in 1929, and before that the Civil War in 1861-65. to And neither is this a time Uh, first time that a health issue has blown up on our scene. 2004 saw the bird flu jump to people in our efforts to curtail that do you remember 400 million chickens were killed and there was no barbecue. HIV AIDS has killed 25 million people since 1981. MRSA has a death rate between 20 and 50 percent and it's still a problem that hospitals deal with on a regular basis. SARS was discovered in 2002 and it was quarantines and the screening of air passengers that brought that under control. Thalidomide was a medication to help women avert morning sickness in pregnancy but there were 20,000 infants negatively affected before We banned it. Mad cow disease, remember that one? It devastated the beef industry in the 1990s and eventually jumped over and began to affect people. DDT, created to rid us of that pesky mosquito, had an unintended effect of causing premature birth in infants and low uh, birth weight in infants. Asbestos, we loved it for fireproofing and insulation, but learned that it led to lung disease and cancer. And the MMR jab, that shot to protect your children from measles, mumps, and rubella, Uh, One researcher later would link it to autism. And then an investigation revealed that the researcher was paid $630,000 to find the link. And uh, some of that information is suspect. So we don't really know the truth there. I'm saying all this to just remind us that these health scares have been a part of our history and we've dealt with them before. This history also points to the inevitability of uncertainty in our world. Franklin, uh, Ben Franklin said we could only count on two things, death and taxes. And while death may be certain, the how and the when of our deaths is anything but certain. And as for taxes... We can count on the existence of taxes, but in the season right now, until the, all the information is gathered, there's still that lingering uncertainty, right? Refund or balance due. The only thing, the only thing that we can count on is the immutability of God. Cole, Pastor Cole, tossed out a bunch of theological words last week, and here's one more for you to add to your list today immutability. The immutability of God. The definition is this. God is unchanging in his purpose, in his person, and in his promises. And yet at the same time, he is relational to us. He interacts with us. He feels emotions toward us. The good news this morning is that God is unchanging. He never changes, his purpose never change, his person never changes, his promises never change. But this doesn't make him a static, non-personal being. God is dynamic in his relationship to you and me and he interacts with us daily. Do you remember the story of Moses and the burning bush? In Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, the scripture says, God says to Moses, I am who I am. Moses was taking care of sheep. When an angel appeared to Moses in a bush that was on fire, at the same time, it was not being consumed by the fire. If any of us would see that, we would have gone and checked it out. Moses did too, and God said, stop. Take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. Then he said, I've seen the misery of my people inflicted by the Egyptians in this time of slavery. I've come to rescue them. And Moses, I want to use you in the rescue. And Moses said, seriously, me? Who am I that I should stand before Pharaoh? And God said, Moses, I will be with you. And then Moses responded, but if I go, who will I say has sent me? They will ask me, what's his name? Who's sending you? And God said, I am who I am. I am Yahweh, the father God of Abraham, the father of Isaac, the father of Jacob. Now, what a name. I am who I am. The first time I read that I thought God was being a little sarcastic with Moses because he's asking all these questions. I thought he was mocking Moses for doubting who he was. I heard that story I heard last week about a story. Chipper Jones was showing up at the Braves new spring training camp facility and as he got to the gate uh, he was asked by security for ID and he said well uh, my picture is painted on the side of the building is that good enough and so the guy then realized realize it, it really was chipper jones and they let him in but you know right here when god answers i am who i am he's not being sarcastic he's being instructive in fact he's being encouraging as well i am who i am means he is complete It means he's enough. It means he is all there is and all that is needed. He is not lacking in one thing. He is is not insufficient in any way. He is God and he is all that Moses needs. I'm a father. I remember the day I became a father. Incredible awesome wonderful a miracle a blessing beyond my wildest imagination they hand me my son and love blossomed in inside me in a way you could literally taste it and a couple days later we were ready to go home and I thought my son might be ready to leave the hospital but am I ready to be a father you know I am a father but I'm incomplete I'm still learning. At this very moment, I'm still learning where I'm not as good a father as I need to be. I may be a father, but I'm not complete. I'm learning, I'm making mistakes. I'm still doubting myself some days, and then some days I'm too proud of myself as a father. But God, but God is complete. He's our father And he's everything we need. He is who he is. He won't be any more or any less tomorrow. He isn't learning how to be God. He's perfect in character, he's perfect in action. He told Moses, I am the father of Abraham. I'm the father of Isaac, I'm the father of Jacob, and I'm your father right now. I was everything God said Abraham needed. I was everything Isaac needed. I was everything Jacob needed, and today, Moses, I'm everything that you need. I am who I am, complete, enough, all that you need. And then I'm reminded of that story of the prophet Balaam from the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. King Balak is king of Moab. He hired or tried to hire prophet Balaam to issue a curse from God against his enemy Israel. And God spoke to the prophet Balaam and said, Do not curse them because I have blessed them. But the king's people kept pressing uh, Balaam to go and meet with Balak. And, and, and Balaam said no, but he hedged his response with this. He said, I'll tell you what, guys, spend the night with me and let's see if God will reveal anything new to me. Now, God has already told Balaam, don't curse Israel. I've blessed Israel. And Balaam knows exactly what it is that King Balak wants, but he's still wanting to go meet with Balak. So God finally relents, says, go. Go meet with him, but obey me. So Balaam hops on his donkey. Now God's angry with Balaam because he's already told Balaam the answer and Balaam appears to be more concerned about pleasing Balak than pleasing God, issuing the decisive no way and let the consequences fall as God would allow so God puts an angel in the path in front of uh, the donkey and Balaam. And when the, the donkey gets to that angel with and the angel has his sword drawn, the donkey just veers off the path, goes out into the field, goes around and Balaam gets his stick and smacks the donkey and says, get back on the path. And so then they get to an area in the path where there's a stone wall on the left and on the right. And so the the donkey has to scoot all the way to one side. And and he scoots so far to one side to get around the angel that he he bumps Balaam's foot up against the stone wall. And Balaam says, you know, ouch. and, And he smacks the donkey again with a stick. And then the path gets more narrow. The stone walls are so close together that the the donkey cannot turn to the left. And the donkey cannot turn to the right. And so when the donkey gets up to the angel with the, the sword drawn, he simply bows down. And Balak, I mean, Balaam beats the fool out of that donkey. And the donkey said, why in the world are you doing this to me? and Balaam says because you're making a fool out of me as if talking to a donkey hasn't already made a fool out of him right and the donkey says to Balaam you've been riding me all of my life have I ever treated you like this before and Balaam realizes that that donkey has been faithful to him and he says you're right you've never treated me like this before and at that moment God opens Balaam's eyes so that the prophet sees the the angel that the donkey has been seeing as well and and he realizes God's yes is yes and his no is no in Numbers 23 verse 19 God's word says God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? So Balaam learned God's yes is yes, God's no is no. Now before you laugh at Balaam for talking to a donkey, please remember all the times that you knew what was right, and you didn't want to do it. You knew what was wrong, and you were ready to do it. And so instead of obeying, respecting and obeying God with urgency immediately. Uh, you, You just kept the door open for maybe God to change his mind so that you could do things your way. Well, you know, when our children do that to us, don't we get frustrated, a little impatient, maybe even angry with our children? Yet we totally try God. The God who never changes, we totally try him. And another man I want us to talk about this morning is Job. He, he was a man who learned firsthand of God's unchanging character. In Job 23, verse 6, the scripture says, Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No. He would pay attention to me. In Job 23, 13 and 14 read, What God desires, that God does. For God will complete what God appoints for me. Did you hear those two amazing truths? First, God pays attention to us. He pays attention to you. He pays attention to me. Even when we don't understand his ways, even when we don't understand his will, even when we disagree with his plan and his timing in our life, he pays attention to us. He cares about what we think. He cares about how we feel. He cares about the actions we take. He pays attention to us. And second, this is good news too. God follows through. God finishes the task. God completes the plan. God fulfills every promise he makes. Job was upset. He was upset with his circumstances. He was hurt. He was hurt by the bad advice of friends. He was angered by what he felt at times was God's absence. But in the end, he was encouraged by what he knew about God. God pays attention to us, even in our doubts. And God follows through on his will, not just his will for the world in general, but his will for you and me specifically. I love Job 23, 13. He completes what he appoints. For me, Job said, that's the individual person. Now, Job may have been a blundering believer. Sure makes me feel better when my belief bounces back and forth with doubt. But Job moved for blundering believer because he understood every good gift and every perfect gift is from the Father above. He moved from blundering believer to a man of faith as he clung to the promise that God will not change his mind and that God's will cannot be stopped and he has a good will toward me. On top of all of this, God is also our faithful follower. In the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 6 verse uh, 17 through 18, it says, so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise of the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. First of all, God has children. We learn in that verse and he calls them heirs H-E-I-R-S if you are a believer you are a child of God if you are a child of God you are a brother or sister to Jesus and if you're a brother or sister to Jesus you are an heir to an eternal inheritance and that inheritance is an eternal home absent of pain, of crying, of mourning, and of death. And it's a home that Jesus promised that he's already prepared for you. John 14 tells us there is room in that mansion for us, a house prepared for Jesus for us in advance. Now second, we learn in that passage God's character is unchanging. This is better than a guarantee backed by a fortune 500 company or our beloved United States of America. It's a guarantee uh, that is good. You know, a guarantee is only good if the guarantor is both alive and able. And God swears on an oath on himself. Why? Because there is no one higher to swear an oath on. That's what the scripture means by two unchangeable truths. God swearing an oath on God to unchangeable truths. It's impossible for God to lie. While we might have to run from a virus, hide from a virus, suffer a virus, or even die at the hands of a virus, God is our Father. He's unchangeable and he calls us to run to him. I do want to face one objection this morning. Some would point to some scripture that seems to indicate that God does indeed change his mind. Genesis 6, 6 says, The Lord was sorry he created man after a man's sin and just plunge into disobedience. In 1 Samuel 15, it reads, the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king of Israel. And in Exodus chapter 32, it says, so the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. So is the Bible contradicting itself when in one passage it says he's unchangeable and, and then here it says he changes his mind? Does God make plans and then change them in response to some unforeseen event? Well, the key to that question is the phrase unforeseen event. How can anything be unforeseen to an all-knowing God. Nothing catches God by surprise. He doesn't wake up and learn something new each morning. He already knows. He knows everything. Furthermore, how can anything ever happen that an all-powerful God did not fully control? But we've already seen in this sermon series, God is, that God is sovereign. God knows all things and God is in control of all things. So how do you interpret this? Apparent contradiction. Well, the key is to understanding one of the words that Cole used in his sermon last week. Anthrop—I uh, mean anthropomorphisms, figurative phrases that attribute attribute human qualities to God in order to convey His nature, His will, and His actions in a way that anyone, a common person, can relate to and understand. So God communicates to us in ways that. We can understand, we are humans. We have two hands, two feet, two eyes, etc. But God is a spiritual being. He doesn't have a physical body like we do. He's not limited by the physical constraints of a physical body. You know, I have two hands. I can carry a lot of those plastic grocery bags from the car to the kitchen counter so I don't have to make more trips, right? And you've probably done the same thing. You load up as many of those bags with this hand and this arm and as many with this hand and this arms. And then there always seems to be like one or two more left. You just, you can't do, right? And so you got to make that second trip. God is not limited because he doesn't have a spirit physical body he is a spiritual being so when you interpret God regretted making Saul king God changing his mind he's not saying oops I made a mistake what am I going to do now he's trying to communicate to us his utter grief over Saul's disobedience his utter grief when you and I uh, disobey him as well so here's the good news The good news is, is our God is unchanging in his person. He's unchanging in his purpose. He's unchanging in his promises. And yet, he feels emotions towards us and he interacts with us personally. So I want you to think through this series with me. We've learned that God is Father, that God is Son, and that God is Spirit. We've learned that God is love, that God is righteous, and that God is forgiveness. We've learned that God is sovereign and God is spiritual. And now today, we're gonna add that, that, that ninth one, God is immutable. The beautiful, amazing truth when you add immutability to all those other things is this, God is always our Father. God is always the son who saves God is always the spirit who is with us God is always the one who loves in purity perfectly God is always righteous in his action God is always forgiving towards us God is always sovereign in our life and in this world and God is spiritual not limited by a physical body and when you add to all that his immutability what this means is this. He never changes. He is our Father. We never wake up one day and we're an orphan. He's always our Father. God is always the Son who, who saves us. We'll, we'll never wake up one day and, and be faced with, will God really save me from my sin? If you've called on the name of Jesus, he's done that. He doesn't change in your salvation. You never have to uh, face a mistake that you've made and wonder, will God be forgiving to me today or will he hold a grudge? You never have to face an uncertain situation and wonder, will God be in control today or is this thing out of his control? You never have to wake up alone and wonder, will God love me today? You never have to witness an injustice and wonder, will God be right? righteous today God is immutable I love that God is immutable I need that God is immutable I can count on that and God always always keeps his promises and he guarantees them on his unchanging character let's pray together father we're so thankful that you are always Our Father, who cares for us. You're always the Son ready to save us from our sin. You're always the Spirit present with us to the ends of the age. You are always a righteous God, upholding justice and truth. Father, you're always forgiving, gracious and merciful to us. God, you're always love treating us exactly the way we need to be treated for our best and for your glory. God, you are our father always today and will never be an orphan. Lord, we thank you for your unchanging person, your unchanging power, your unchanging promises, your unchanging purpose. Guide us to walk alongside you Guide us that we might live a life that brings glory to your name. Father, empower us that we might be a witness in our community in these uncertain times so that others will see that you are an unchanging God who we can count on. For it's in Christ's name we we pray. Amen. Every one of us have a next step. For most of us, that next step is go wash our hands with soap and water, but in all seriousness, every single one of us have a next step. God is unchanging. His message, his purpose, his promises, they are unchanging, and he's called us to go from this place with the gospel of Jesus Christ and share it with our neighbors and share it with our friends. If you're listening today, and you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, not only is he the sovereign, unchanging God, he loves you. Enough that he paid the price for your sins by dying on a cross. I encourage you to stop and pray right now. Father, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I put my life in your hands. Father, I want to follow you as my Lord and my Savior the rest of my life some of you your next step is to be more involved in a church family perhaps you need to join the church here at first baptist church we welcome you to become a part of our family of faith and if you'll just call the church office uh, let us know about your desire one of the ministers will connect with you and uh, we welcome you to the family of faith here at first baptist church for some of you your next step is to share the gospel with a family member, with a friend, with a, a worker, co-worker, colleague. And if you need any help in sharing the gospel, knowing how to share the gospel, again, I encourage you to give us a call and let us help you take that next step. Uh, at First Baptist Church, the ministry staff and, and our members would be honored to spend some time with you navigating these steps of faith in your life. You can reach us at 770-887-2428. You can email me at bob at fbccoming.org. That's bob at fbccoming.org. Please let us know how we can help you take your next step.